From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to episode 220 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. Here we are to talk about the seven steps it takes in order to overcome extreme anxiety to get out of that storm. The storm of confusion, let's put it that way, because when I was suffering from GAD, generalized anxiety disorder, I was experiencing all the subcategories of that disorder, like agoraphobia. I couldn't leave my house because I had the fear of losing control in a public place and being embarrassed while I lose control. And then I was suffering from depersonalization, being stuck in this trance-like fog. That's the best way to put it. And I was so confined to my internal world where I, I, I was in this, it felt like I was third person in a video game. I wasn't even myself. I felt automated. It felt like the world uh, from beneath me was tilting when while I was walking and I could not control all of my bodily movements, especially my thoughts. And then on top of that, health anxiety. I was catastrophizing on a daily basis over the different sensations and symptoms I was experiencing, as well as checking parts of my body religiously, and then going to the doctor, and then Googling, and then it goes on and on and on. And so I want to start this podcast with a very powerful quote. The quality of your relationships is a direct reflection of the relationship you have with yourself. That is true. Step one of the recovery process is to take responsibility for the anxiety you are currently battling. You have to bear your cross. This was my first step in order for real change to occur. I asked myself, well, I didn't ask, but I told myself, it better be me who needs to change because I can't change the world. And that is true. Many people who remain stuck in pain and suffering, they think that the world is out to get them, that they are dealt a bad hand, that there is no change probable for them. And they just stay in their stuck mindset. And that is not the place you want to be, obviously. But for me, what I needed to do was to look at myself and say, wait a minute, the things that I've been doing so far up to this point have not been working because my anxiety is actually worse now. So the reassurance seeking, the constant complaining over my symptoms, the doctor visits, the Googling, the numbing agents to distract myself from that pain, like TV, like weed, like 
that glass of wine or two glasses or three glasses or the yeah the relationships the talk toxic friends that you know they they take your mind off of what you're currently dealing with but then when you put your head on the pillow that very night what happens when it's just you and your own mind well the thoughts of your anxiety come up the fears of your anxiety come up but underneath the layers of that onion there are certain moments from your past that creep up and then it startles you and it wakes you up at night clinical psychologist carl rogers he says that no true development of yourself can take place until you admit and agree that things need to change. Because if you meet, if it's mandatory for you to meet with a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist and you sit down with them and you're like, I'm not changing, I, I'm forced to be here. Uh, and you just listen, not even listen, you put up walls and no real change can happen, right? So there has to be an agreement that I need help and I'm flawed in what I've been doing so far. It hasn't been working for me and I am here to learn and start from square one because I don't know any better. And that's where I needed to start off. I admitted to myself that, hey man, I need to look elsewhere. And as soon as you ask yourself that, you open the door. You can't actually see the door and walk through any doors unless you acknowledge that within yourself. You actually acknowledge that there are doors there. And what happens when you go through recovery is that you find somebody who relates to you. I'll get into this in a later step. But you find somebody, a role model, who went through the same problem you are currently battling and got out of it. And then you start to learn from that person. But going back to step one, I had to admit that everything that I've been doing so far is not working. It's actually quite the opposite. It's making things worse. And there has to be something more. There has to be something more. And when you look in the direction you have yet to explore, solutions start to manifest themselves. Now, you orient yourself away from the pain and chaos you are accustomed to, and then you move towards a possibility that things could actually get better for you step number two is that you get knowledgeable you gain that knowledge you learn from a mentor who went through the same problem as you and overcame that problem so for me this brought about much hope because things could get better and that's huge. Learning I had health anxiety was one of those eye-opening moments for me because I never 
thought I had health anxiety. I thought that I had this unique illness and I was going crazy. I was like no other person on this planet. And it's interesting how, when I look back, how confined to this bubble I was. I mean, there's so much to this world that I have yet to traverse, but yet I thought I had the answers. And looking back, I'm like, oh, Brad, you're a fool, man. All those books that you didn't even delve into yet or those mentors that you you didn't even uh, know existed. But then I've because I bared the cross, I started to venture out and find those mentors because I was orienting myself in this new direction. And so at this point, there actually seems like there is a path out of this misery once I found that mentor who who overcame that dragon and I related to them. And so that's also an important part of your journey is to relate to that person. So I became obsessed about learning. That's huge for me. I never wanted to go on this path of anxiety recovery. I never chose to be an anxiety coach or to have this podcast, right? I I was in the film industry. I wanted to be in the movie industry, working in the camera department and finding success down that path. But my body was screaming out to me that things were not good for me. My body was saying something and I was trying to go against what my body was saying, numb it, numb all that pain and discomfort, all of that. But what I needed to do was to take care of myself. I needed to put myself first before anything else. And I always neglected myself and my wants. And well, actually, that's not true because all of my wants I was pursuing, but those were the wrong wants. You know what I mean? I was pursuing these desires of instant gratification. All of the simple pleasures like sex, alcohol, weed, pornography, they were great. And looking back, I noticed that I was just seeking out a transcendent experience by doing all of those things. I wanted more. I, I'm an experience seeker. I want to be engulfed in, in this magnificent beauty, this consciousness, whatever you want to call it. I wanted to be close to God, but I didn't even know what that was. I was moving in that direction through these instant gratifications that were only causing a lot of long-term pain for me. Step three is determine your goals Even if it's vague, just knowing what you want to move towards is important for recovery. So mine was to recover from anxiety in three months. And I wrote myself out a contract to stick with this plan. So I told myself, I dedicate three months to overcoming anxiety. Yeah, overcoming anxiety, that's vague, but not really because before I was not shooting towards any North Star whatsoever. And also, I knew that 
as long as I listen and watch my mentors every day and implement their strategies, things could get better. Undoubtedly so. I also knew I was on the right path because whatever my old self was doing was clearly not working. So the opposite of what that guy was doing is my best bet out of this pain. The mentors I adopted also serve as that model of who the type of person I wanted to become. Now, here I want you to write this down. What do I want my life to be like a year from now? How does it look? How do I want to feel? What do I look like? What would life be like a year from now if I do not make any of these changes? Step four, create new habits. It takes about one month for a habit to become automated. Now, the circuits that support this behavior of the new habit need to be strengthened over time. And also note that what you continuously act out determines what you value. Then what you don't act out, that loses its value. Very, very important. And then expect cognitive dissonance. When you start to change, the mind goes, the ego goes, hey, this is not what you're accustomed to, even though you're accustomed to pain and suffering. I don't want to change, so it'll try and pull you back. It's like a family member, a toxic family member who wants to pull you back into their, unf- their familiar ways of being in the world. So expect that cognitive dissonance. Feeling, thinking, and behaving in a manner you are not accustomed to. Here is a great quote from James Clear. Every action you take is an internal vote of the person you want to become. Step five. Continuously surround yourself with your role models. Their growth mindset will rub off on you. You will also begin to hear their voice echo in the chambers of your mind. I noticed that when I would diverge from a habit I knew to be healthy for me back into an old habit, I would then be more reluctant to ask myself, Would my mentor, would my role model do this? Would Russell Brand do this? Would Wim Hof do this? Would Jordan Peterson or would Joe Rogan or whoever your mentors are? uh, Would Brad do this? Uh, Would Ed Milet do this? So determine your mentors and the more you hang around them, the more their voice echoes in the chambers of your mind. But then when you diverge from that path, you're more likely going you're you're more likely going to hit some sort of resistance to 
pursuing that path because the mentors that you surround yourself with bring out your inadequacies on a daily basis. The feeling of, oh, I could do so much more. Look how hard these people are working. I could do so much more. And that is a great feeling if you look at it from the right perspective. Because just think about it like this. In one year, what would happen if I just listened to these people just talk? You know, even if I don't even implement the strategies, if I just every day surrounded myself with these people in my ear, you're just going to gradually, naturally, unconsciously engage in those habits because of their brilliance being and being surrounded by their brilliance. Step six, begin to face your fears this is the hard part. I remember when, all of it's a hard part, to be honest, but this one takes time and courage, and you have to be gentle upon yourself, even in the midst of facing something that is utterly terrifying, the dragon that you've been avoiding for a long time. Because when I was suffering from agoraphobia, I was avoiding any situation that made me feel uncomfortable and anxious to the point where I was just in my home, in my bedroom, every hour of every day, the walls seemed to close in closer and closer. I would walk a block from my house and then experience a symptom and then I would have a panic attack and then I would go home. So yes, I couldn't even walk a block from my house. So how does one overcome this? Well, you have to do it one step at a time. So what I would do, and this is what you do in all psychotherapy to overcome these fears, is to set the bar just high enough so that when you feel these uncomfortable sensations, you do not run back home, but you ride the wave of these sensations and you continue down your path. So my goal was to do a complete circle of the route I was walking. Rather than go halfway and have a panic attack and come back, I would complete the whole thing. So when I would reach a certain point and get to the anxiety, get to those symptoms and sensations, I would ride the wave as I was walking. So that is a major part of this journey because I did not know how much my body could tolerate until I began to challenge myself. So the brain works by association. So when a symptom would pop up before, my brain would go, hey, remember last time when you felt this, you ran away, so let's run away again. It's like, no, not this time. I'm going to ride the wave. And yes, it's more challenging because you don't know how much you can tolerate or you your competence is very minimal at this point. Mine was, right? So I would ride the wave. I would complete that cycle. And then my brain go goes, hey, Brad did not die. Huh. New association is being made. But it's just not going to happen overnight. You have to might you might have to do that walk. 10 times in order for the brain to kind of get the picture. It's like training this dog. 
So for me, I was having panic attacks in all sorts of places, places that made me feel trapped. And I was around people, you know, being around people with anxiety, man, you know, the fear of being judged, that's a big thing. So I would be out at a symphony with my partner. And then during the symphony, I would feel all of that anxiety. And then I would, my brain would go, oh no, but I would ride the wave. It would be a brutal time, brutal hour for me to get through it. But then at the end of it, you know, I looked at myself and I said, man, you got through that experience. You're you're capable of more. You didn't go phone up your family. You didn't run out of the theater or better yet, you did not throw up while you were sitting there or faint or have that heart attack. So you have to stretch yourself continuously. And I would recommend that you work with a coach to do this. I've had many clients whom I've worked with where we would structure an approach to dealing with that fear. So one step at a time, how are you going to handle uh, being on the subway? Well, maybe before you know you you have to go on the subway, maybe venturing to the subway station and like parking your car outside the entrance and sitting there, but you don't have to go in. You know, you just sit there until your brain gets bored of sitting there and then you go home. And then the next time you go, you you go a step further. You may go inside the subway station and walk around and stay there until the, your brain gets bored of it. And then you leave. And then the next time you go, you go further down the stairs and maybe up to the platform. And then you hang around there until you get bored of it. This is systematic desensitization. You're gradually desensitizing your amygdala to this particular experience that you dread right so do that but i highly recommend that you work with somebody you can work with me just work with somebody a coach who who you trust and look up to to deal with this anxiety step seven accepting setbacks you begin to understand that self-development is a lifelong pursuit along the way you achieve feats you never imagined you would achieve. But in the midst of that progress, you will confront failure, days where you give in to that urge or that thought. And since you recognize that this was a mistake on your part, you feel the shame, you feel the guilt so to lessen this self-mutilation. It is best to understand where you went wrong and how to avoid this in the coming future. Setbacks are great reminders of why you wanted to avoid this behavior in the first place. Also, look at them as a learning experience and that you can adjust yourself accordingly to what you learned so that you can get it right tomorrow. We see that in the movie Groundhog Day. I love this movie so much. You guys know that. Because in this movie, we see Phil, played by Bill Murray, 
we see this character live out the same day over and over and over again and then he starts to make things better one inch at a time so he's out with his co-worker Rita so he's sitting at dinner talking to her but he's poorly developed right his small talk is very bad he can't even communicate properly like this reminds me of myself when I was at the beginning of my recovery I couldn't even talk to the barista behind the Starbucks counter for God's sakes but we see Phil he's stumbling about he says something stupid and then Rita looks at Phil and she is appalled and then Phil gets the hint he's aware he's more self-conscious of you know the the repetition of each and every day but he's more self-conscious of the suffering he's in it's it's sort of like step one of the recovery process just to become aware uh, and and self being self-conscious of the the suffering that you're in and that you can make a change if you are awake enough and so phil being sort of awake stumbling forward wanting to do something better in his life or make things better in some way you know this vague uh, ideal in his mind he he's, he's like oh what i said to rita she didn't take it quite well so but i have an opportunity tomorrow to get it right and that's the right attitude right so he takes rita out again the next day and he doesn't say the thing he said the previous night so he 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 got the he got the message right he learned from his mistake but he has the right attitude right he's saying well you know what i have an opportunity tomorrow to get it right get it right so yes we have opportunities to get it right and that's the right mindset and that's where i'm going to leave you today on this podcast episode thank you everybody for being here in this recovery community i am so grateful that you listen to the podcast that you share the podcast and also that you share your experiences and your wisdom going through anxiety recovery and also battling this recovery because in this age of anxiety we can feel alone and so many of us feel more alone than ever but being here in this community there is hope we can change change is possible i told you in this episode i came from agoraphobia i couldn't even leave my home this wasn't an overnight thing for me to recover from anxiety this took me a while for everybody it's different but be patient you want things to be perfect right away expect your expectations to get crushed that's for sure so thank you everybody for being here rise above anxiety i will see you on the next episode bye for now brad's powerful anxiety recovery program is now available at unpluganxiety.com the anxiety project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands visit unpluganxiety.com for more details recovery starts now